0: <laughs> yo, 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 Cats by 90 podcast, Big Blue Drew and Aaron Gershon back at it for kind of the first time in a long time. So you follow a Sea of Blue podcast, which hopefully you do. You've kind of seen that I've been doing the Kentucky Dad Pod. Aaron's been taking over the Cats by 90, but the boys are back in town tonight. We're um, excited to do it, man. How you been doing, Aaron?
1: Good man, it's good to hear you finally and get this going together. And it's a perfect time, right? Because despite there not being any active sports, I guess you could say from the college realm, uh, there sure is a crap ton going on between uh football, basketball, and really just the whole world, obviously. But uh, yeah, it's good to be back and good to have at least there's stuff to talk about, right? This summer, we were really pulling strings to find things to talk about but uh right now there's no shortage there is there really is a lot of stuff to talk about
0: and it's really what prompted me too to kind of want to get on with you tonight for you know kind of going into this weekend because it has been nice to kind of uh shorten our our workload I guess as you know these sports podcasts with little sports to talk about but now we're really rolling man it's what we've been talking about heading into to the fall somewhat and the NBA bubbles got me hyped so we're going to talk about that and everything but Man, first off, I wanted to bring up, uh, we hadn't even had a chance to talk about this, Aaron. I mean, we've stayed in touch via text, but again, other than maybe a a few small radio segments, we haven't done uh, much audio stuff together. But that was a long lead in for, this is actually like we celebrated our one year, I guess, doing the Sea of Blue. That's right. It's like maybe a week or two ago. I think we're like episodes 55 or so in. So thank you to everyone that listens. It always amazes me how many people do tune in and listen. And
1: um, I'm having fun with the dad podcast. So thanks for sticking with me too, bro yeah man it's been a lot of fun and it was kind of cool to see someone on twitter today ask for when the next episode would drop so that always makes you feel good right i I think that's what kind of said to us all right we got to get our ass together and get this going
0: yeah i'm glad that person did say that i meant to give them a shout out so i'm going to do that too i'll pull that up but aaron i wanted to ask you you know personally and on the podcast like so what's it like so aaron's student at the university of kentucky so i've been anxious to hear just kind of walk me through i guess like the communication that you had all summer and like ultimately how's that play down come to
1: fruition now They're like when I mean, you're in Lexington student right it's a great question I mean uh, this is not I'll just say this to start it's not the way uh, I could have imagined my last semester of college or any semester for that matter but especially the way to go out but uh, you know I think compared to the horror stories you're seeing on the news about you know North Carolina Notre Dame Michigan State having you know they go back for a week they have clusters of cases and they're sending their kids back home I think overall, UK has done a pretty good job. I mean, everybody in the entire student body was reti- or, excuse me required to get tested uh, upon arrival here in Lexington before they can, for the freshmen or sophomores living in the dorms, before they can move in the dorms or attend classes. So at least right off the bat, you're quarantining or isolating the first handful of positive cases. But uh, I will say on campus, you feel very safe because there's so much uh, – you can't – screw up because they won't let you I mean masks are required uh, all the desks in the classrooms and most of my classes are kind of hybrid so I only go into class once a week in a very small group but they're spread out uh, kids are doing the right thing on campus and that's been uh, good to see my concern I think is uh, obviously this is college and partying is going to happen whether there's a global pandemic or not and I definitely have I haven't been to any because I know better right now. Uh, but just living in an apartment complex that is majority college students. uh, And then just, you know, even just driving around town on some of those streets where my girlfriend lives over on Waller Avenue, if you're familiar with it. And obviously that is known for kind of being an off campus house for some of the frats and stuff like that. And there's too much crap going on there. And I want to see that improve because honestly, selfishly, Uh, The less of that, the bigger chance and more hope we have at a college football season and really at a normal college basketball season, right? People do the right thing, you know, the quicker we get out of this, the quicker we get our sports back. And I I do think if people do do those things that we could see, you know, the UK basketball team back on the floor in November rather than waiting till January. And, you know, then you would lose non-conference play. And I think, you know, it hurt enough to see Kentucky and Louisville's football game uh, cancel especially with Louisville still getting more preseason hype, despite the fact UK's outscored them 101-23 head-to-head the past two years. But uh, you don't want to see that Kentucky-Louisville basketball game also put to bed. That would be – I think that would uh, wake every Kentuckian up that's not following the state guidelines or the world's guidelines.
0: Yeah, I saw today where the university, I guess, was, you know, requiring that the sororities and the fraternities, you know, get tested again because of, you know, what you talked about, just some of the crowd gathering and things of that nature. And I was interested to get your opinion, I guess, as far as the just kind of the pulse on campus and, you know, how you thought it was going. So I guess it's good to hear, like you said, you can't mess up. They're putting some good precautions in place. But what about Aaron? Have you
1: been getting on any of like the Zoom football press conferences the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I've been on, actually, I think I've been on every single one that they've had at least the last week or so since they started them back up again. And we were just talking about that at a pretty great depth today on the Big Blue Insider. Um, but I'll say this, uh, Mark Stoops and other media members noticed. So it wasn't just me, Dick and I were texting, Dick Gabriel and I were texting during the uh actual conference and then we talked to dr john huang today and he noticed it too mark stoops was not himself when he spoke to the media on tuesday for a good 25 minutes i mean the dick's text to me was did somebody kill his puppy i mean he really wasn't himself you know mark is usually a really good soundbite he'll crack a joke or two in the media and you know dick's theory is he's just simply uncomfortable uh given the fact we're obviously having to do the the press conferences via zoom like you said Uh, But I don't know. It'll be really interesting to see what he has to say tomorrow when he has his second Zoom presser of the week. But outside of that, uh, really liked what I heard from the football team. They seem to be really taking all the – on the safety side, taking it really seriously and doing everything they can to mitigate themselves when they're not – physically practicing. Um, and there's and there's also a lot of confidence uh, from them, uh, both sides of the ball. Uh, Terry, Wilson, Terry Wilson just continues to amaze me with the maturity. I mean, you covered the team in 2018 and 19 like I did. And in 2018, I thought he was kind of – I wouldn't say immature, but he definitely – he was a guy who wanted no part of the media. He wanted to kind of just play ball and take it from there. And, you know, he was really – just he didn't seem like that vocal leader at quarterback, but man, I mean, he just seems like a whole different guy. Uh, he's obviously about to be a father, so maybe that's changed some perspective. But I was just blown away by him, and I'm hearing that all good things on his health, and then. Uh, also the defensive side of the ball, we talked to Brad white and he could not be more excited about that group, uh, coming back, obviously a really good Kentucky defense the last couple of years. So, uh, outside of Mark Stoops, really something was up. I don't know if it was just a bad day or whatever. We'll find out more tomorrow. Uh, but I was really, uh, excited to just get a chance to talk to some of these guys again, first of all, but hear the optimism in their voices. And I just hope for their sakes, especially since this team is so senior heavy this year, Uh, that, one, they have a great chance to surprise a hell of a lot of people because of that, and two, you don't want to see them you know, some of these kids are going to have jobs lined up, they're going to be prospects for the NFL next year, so even if they get that layer of protection for the NCAA, they're not coming back next year, so you don't want to see these guys lose their career uh, out on something that's not on their own terms, so you know, it breaks my heart what's happening in the Big Ten and the Pac-12, and I really hope that the SEC, as long as it's you know, as safe as possible, like it is at this point, uh, trucks along with it because to put out a schedule like the big 10 did, and then three or five days later, whatever it was, rip it away from them. Just, just is so wrong on so many levels.
0: Before I forget, Aaron, the uh, shout out to Scott Watts at GW04. He was the one that uh, asked about yeah. the show. So hopefully you're checking it out. Scott, we appreciate you shouting us out. Also another shout out to Terry Wilson for becoming a father. Um, that was pretty cool. We got to get him on the Kentucky Dad podcast. Hopefully, <laughs> maybe uh, maybe we can do that after Atlanta or something like that. So, I know that's cool and, and, you know, that's a story I've seen a lot of, you know, the kind of the media guys picking up because it, it'll definitely be, you know, a part of how he handles I guess this season and especially all the craziness that this season will bring. So, that guy has a lot going on, man, taking the reins of, of this Kentucky football team and going through that and COVID and everything. And I wrote on my paper, I have some burning basketball takes I really wanted to start with, but it, it's good we started on football since, you know, you, you you have been going to the press conferences and kind of yeah. hearing the tone and all that. But what I wrote on my paper was the SEC is hell bent on playing football. And it teases <laughs> yeah. me because if there's one thing, like it just people I keep meeting in around, you know, at work and things like that, that's what they say. If anybody's going to try to do this, the SEC is. So I guess, Aaron, is, so is your, you know, opinion right now, the way that things are trending, like what percentage would you give that Kentucky opens the football season Ugh. at Auburn on nine twenty six?
1: That's such a tough question. I, I, you know, I've been saying, and I'll, I'll stick by this, I won't believe they're going to play until I see it. Though, as we draw closer, my theory is they will play. But the question is how far – Do we go? Do do we get to that Alabama game in November? Uh, Do we play Auburn and that's it? Or do we not play at all? So right now, I'd say I'm probably 50. I'm literally, I know it's the boring answer, but I'm probably 50-50. I really think it could go either way. I think it goes back to what I said. Stu. I mean, college is, people keep asking, oh, the NFL is pushing forward, like nothing's wrong. But college is, you know, the Big Ten and Pac-12 are shut down. The other leagues have had serious conversations about it. Well, one The NFL players are paid. The NFL is not liable for anything that happens to them. Money, money, money. That's always number one. But number two, and more importantly, is, you know, these college players are part of a community here and for the ones that still have to go to in-person classes or may, you know, you'd hope they don't, but may make the stupid decision of going to a gathering or something and then they come back and get it. Uh, that, that's a part of the environment you're living in. So it's really, really difficult for college. And I get that. So it, it really depends on people being smart, people doing the right thing. And then the fellow students who are the ones who, you know, go out and support, Uh, their their fellow students on the football field and, you know, the ones that are in the back – in the end zone of Kroger Field or or throughout the SEC, for them to hold up their end of the bargain, then, yeah, I think they'll play. I think, like you said, the SEC is hell-bent on it. And unless there's a crazy surge like we saw back in March that kind of just put the world on pause or, you know, multiple teams have outbreaks – uh, I think they're going to play but uh, it just feels almost too good to be true uh, given the circumstances it is it's just so
0: complicated and I won't press you on it too hard going to 50 50 because I'm kind of in the same boat and, yeah. and every time we talk about it I think we've we've kind of texted back and forth the same thing which is kind of just that with every passing days right now you feel a little bit better about it but there's no still nothing in me that's like overly confident I'm gonna have to see them like literally run out of that tunnel getting ready <laughs> to play and I think the travel just adds so much into this. I actually ran into – I met the the field hockey, the uh, women's field hockey coach at the University of Louisville this week or for the University of Louisville. And she was – that's what she commented on. She said she thought their protocols were so great. She said she feels so confident, you know, within their, you know, kind of realm at that university – but that when you add travel into it, she's like, everything's going to break down. I don't understand how that's going to work. A lot of complications. And then football, just so many players. So I know that's the stuff everyone's been talking about for however long. But, again, it's promising that things are are still proceeding. Everybody at the SEC is, you know, saying what you want to hear. And by damn, I mean, 10 SEC games is going to be, you know, pretty sweet. The schedule was released last week. But, I mean, that's the type of stuff college football junkies dream of if they can somehow pull this off. Oh, my God, yeah.
1: And I know me and you have been texting back and forth. Uh, They better let the freaking media in or at least let us (laughs) do it because you don't want to miss it if it's going to happen in person. And, you know, obviously the the crowds are going to be – it's just going to be – everything's about it's going to be so much different. But the one thing if, you know, the season does happen, that will be the same as the SEC and the caliber of play you'll see every Saturday is top notch. And Kentucky is as motivated as any team in this conference. Um, You saw DeAndre Square take to Twitter. And say we're not opting out because we have too much to prove and that this roster is too talented this is here to break out and you're already seeing some of the other schools like florida and georgia start to lose guys to opt outs because they don't have that same thing to prove those are the guys who want to be in the you know who are ready for the nfl and whatnot so you know if kentucky does get this chance to play this year uh I really – I mean, we could save this. I know we'll probably do a football season preview given if there is a season. But I think they can win up to seven games with this schedule despite how hard it is. But I will also say on the other side, if this season is taken away from them and, you know, they end up losing a bunch of those seniors that uh, make – you know, the offensive line has four seniors. Uh, I can go on and on. I don't know how many great seniors are on this club. Uh, then this, this program's just cursed because this is the best roster top to bottom that Kentucky football's had maybe ever. That's what everyone keeps saying, including Mark Stoops.
0: Yeah, it's horrible. It really is. It's just – I mean, it's the most Kentucky football thing ever. Right. Even imagine that because it's not its not false hype. Like, it's, I mean, it's legitimate hype. It's legit. Because, I mean, you look at this defense they're going to bring back. I mean, it, for two years now, they've just proven how dominant they can be and, you know, b- ball indications they have – as many pieces if not more now. So and then you know you get a traditional quarterback under center. So yeah. it's going to be very frustrating and I think really no matter what because I mean what is bowl season going to look like? And they're, they're just going to be so many asterisks that you could kind of throw at this season, but again, if they get 10 SEC games in that's that's pretty amazing and I did see today kind of was some preseason stuff so the ESPN updated their football power index which, you know, just kind of a predictive tool that can give you game by game and, like, season outlook. So, um, did, you, did you see that, Aaron? I actually did not. I didn't see that one. I saw the new CBS ranking, but not Okay. This. All right, well, good. Then we can do this. So, what do you think the ESPN's updated football power index um, had Kentucky's record for their 10-game SEC season? Uh, I'm going to go five and five man, look at you, it's f- spot on, yep, five on five. So not, not exactly like throwing them by the curb, but, st- but still not getting respect. The Cats are getting no respect. No, um, I think everybody is, is thinking like, you know, six wins on the low end and anything above that is kind of icing on the cake. But I think five and five is, is kind of unfair considering what they've done. And also, you know, you have to mention that the ESPN um, Power Football Index also had Kentucky going – Nine and fifteen combined in 2018 and 2019, and we know that's not
1: what happened at a much better record. So, right, a- eighteen and eight the last two years, and twelve and three with Terry Wilson under center. I mean, I, I understand. I mean, ESPN—they're just going to say, "Oh, they got Auburn, Alabama, Tennessee, Florida, Georgia. Those programs are all historically better. They're all projected to win six or six plus games this year. Alabama and Georgia are the favorites." Blah blah blah. Uh, but, you know, it's just – it's it's laziness is what it is. I mean, you, you look at Kentucky's just week one matchup with Auburn alone. Auburn's offensive and defensive line from a year ago are depleted. Uh, Bo Nix is a nice quarterback, but he, he only has one year under his belt, and he was kind of up and down last year. Uh, Kentucky has the be- is better in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Jordan-Hare Stadium is going to be at 20% capacity, so you're not dealing with that uh, type of atmosphere, which – obviously Jordan hair is as tough as any place to play in the league. So, and if you look at Auburn's schedule, they have Georgia the next week. So you have to wonder, is Auburn going to look ahead and say, ah, Kentucky, they're Kentucky. We'll handle them. So there's so much more unraveling to do and more digesting of every team's roster. But yeah, I think five and five is too low. I can, I think six and four is a respectable prediction as a low end. Um, I think six and seven are probably where you're going to end up. But I, I just think it's wrong to say they're going to go five and five, four and six, given what they've proven the last two years and just the roster they have.
0: Yeah, it is. Again, it's, again, I'm not going to go as far as to say it's total disrespect because I mean, <laughs> 10 SEC games no, you know, tough. minus Vanderbilt, every game is going to be tough. <laughs> But yeah, I'm excited. I just hope we get to see some football. I'm glad to hear at least from from your point of view as a student on campus that things are, you know, at least somewhat together. You kind of have to, you know, expect that from the fraternities and sororities, which has been, you know, the whole debate this summer on how to exactly do this. But again, every passing day, we feel a little bit better. So hopefully some football gets played and we're, you know, not far off from knowing. We're like, you know, I guess what, four weekends away. So obviously going to keep our eyes on that. Got to get to some basketball stuff, though, because, like I said, I have some burning takes. But first, let's knock out a quick break. All right, and we're back. Cats by 90 podcast, Big Blue Drew and Aaron Gershon back in the driver's seat for first time in a long time as we're trending into the fall and the humidities. Disappearing a bit on certain days, so you're kind of starting to get that sense that that the the pre falls on its way at least. So basketball too, man. So it's nice to see that um, we didn't even talk about the eligibility stuff for football either, which was huge. But there's obviously like it's really stuff's really starting to come together. But burn and take, I guess, for basketball and for me. So every year I kind of have a player, you know, in the in the class of the recruiting class that I really just latch onto. Come emotionally attached to this player. I really (laughs) want them at Kentucky. It rarely works out. And, of course, now my 2021 player is off the board. That's right. Yep. So, Paolo Vanchero going to Duke, kind of committed. Um, I started hearing some rumblings a little bit over the last few weeks that, like, maybe a commitment was kind of coming. Kentucky was fading a little bit. But I I just didn't expect that for him just automatically, boom, um, going to Duke, which sucks Duke, too. And I just – I don't understand it. But I'm not, I'm not uh, looking at this so much, Aaron, as like, oh, Kentucky's missing the top guys. Dude keeps getting them. There's an element to that. But just this specific player, I really wanted yeah. and think is going to be so impactful. They're, you know, one year in college. And my, my comp is, my comparison would be, I really do think he's going to step in wherever and kind of be like a sophomore um, P.J. Washington, like right wow. away. So the dude's a stud, and I wish he was going to play in the right blue and white. But what can you do? <laughs> Hey, I'll say, yeah, and I remember, was it City of Palms that you got to yeah, see him in so, person? Yeah, you were raving about it. Mean, I mean, the second I saw him warm up and just his – man, I can't, I still can't believe he didn't reclass <laughs> with his body. Right. I mean, he is just a monster. Um, you know, great touch around the rim. Um, can also, you know, finish strong. Just just the load inside. So, it, it's
1: going to suck watching him play at Duke. Yeah, and, you know, the bright side of that, I mean, obviously, <laughs> Duke is Duke. Kentucky's going to hate Duke. Uh I don't think they played Duke right now. Kansas in the Champs Classic this year, if it happens. But uh, Tennessee was the team that seemed to be gaining a lot of momentum. And Tennessee has had Kentucky's number the last two years. I mean, you got, they went 2-1 and one against the Cats in 2018-19, including the SEC tournament. And they split last season, obviously winning that last game at Rupp Arena. So um, I'd rather him – if he's going to not pick Kentucky – uh, You'd rather him choose Duke and play in the ACC, and the only way Kentucky would face him is if they match up in the NCAA tournament rather than him go play in Knoxville, where Tennessee has been a Thor, thorn in Kentucky's side the last two years. And we already know that Tennessee on paper has one of the best teams in the country entering the season. Dude, Tennessee
0: is on the uptick, man. So that's the, other, that's the other part of this. Yes, yeah, Kennedy Chandler, five-star, you know, best point guard in the class. Goes to Tennessee. There was always rumor that he might play with Powell and stuff, but I don't know, man. I just – I'm almost looking at the other way. I go the other way, and I always get people harp on me for this because it's negative towards Kentucky, I guess, but I would have rather, I guess, him come to the SEC so I could watch him play. play. That would have been – man, they really would have been a problem playing together because I like Kennedy Chandler's game a lot. I saw him play at that same tournament. But it's just frustrating, man, because I just don't understand it when you look at these big guys. And, again, I don't even want to get into the Duke versus Kentucky and the recruiting because Kentucky still, you know, consistently has a top class. But, like, so it's always Duke and Kentucky, right, one and two. Yep. But Duke has no good players in the NBA. They have, like, a handful (laughs) of good players. And Kentucky is just, you know, hands, fingers, toes, everything. They have so many examples. So I don't get it. I don't understand it. But huge part of that we can kind of transition with – The game's about to change in Lexington, Aaron, and me and you have been in touch with it. There's been just so much, like, info floating back channels with – I mean, I had to write down so many names. So, you know, Kenny (laughs) Payne's gone. Bruiser Flint's coming in. Uh, Dwayne Peavy's out. All of those just huge, huge, huge missing pieces. And now, which is still unofficial, but I think the biggest move of all of those um, is going to end up being Jay Lucas coming on staff and everything that I keep hearing is just – his connections in the recruiting world is just like home
1: run hire big time. Yeah. I mean, Texas is, despite their crappy play, I guess you can say that they've gotten a big name, at least one every year that Greg Brown this year, uh, Mo Bamba two years ago. And uh, who was it? Jackson Hayes. So they've gotten some big name recruits uh, down there in Austin. And, you know, what's also something to watch is what I was saying is they're, If Lucas is brought on, I believe, how the salaries worked out, because Kenny Payne had a huge salary, 900K was his salary. So that's more than most assistant coaches in the nation, to say the least. So what I'm hearing is you could have an extra coach on the bench this year, given the fact UK would be able to afford it. Uh, There's also been talk, I think, that's gone around the Twitterverse of Coach Robic maybe switching roles and kind of moving behind the scenes more like the Wayne Peavy was, and then you kind of see Lucas on the bench, and obviously Bruiser Flint will be on that bench next year, a longtime buddy of Cal's, and obviously what's interesting about Flint, he, he hasn't just worked with Cal. He was Cal's successor at UMass and his assistants were John Robick and Tony Barbie. So he definitely knows this Kentucky staff. I think he's going to be more of a, just, I don't know how much to expect from him recruiting. I was looking at like the numbers or the guys he recruited to Indiana. He had a one four star kid. And other than that, he wasn't responsible for Romeo Langford, who's obviously their big get uh, in recent years here. But um. I don't know how much i will help recruiting, but I think he's going to be good from a perspective of he knows what Cal expects. He knows the other guys on the staff. He's kind of just going to fit right in and be a glue piece. And I don't think he's going to necessarily come in here and add wins or subtract losses, but uh, I will, uh, it will be interesting to see if he can recruit and if not you bring Lucas in and he takes that rule that Kenny Payne had. Cause look, Kenny Payne, I've been saying this, Kenny Payne is great, and the players absolutely adored him, and that's part of the reason he's such an awesome recruiter. And, you know, he's been responsible for – you know, he's gotten a lot of the credit for uh, Nick Richards' improvement, P.J. Washington, some of the other bigs. But this is Kentucky at the end of the day, right? They're going to bring in the best of the best. They have John Calipari at the top. The, the big key would – if Cal leaves, yeah, hell could break loose a little bit. But Cal's here. Uh, Kenny Payne uh, will be missed. There's no doubt about it, but – I think this is a – I keep hearing it, and I believe it. I'm sold on it. This is the next step he needed to take. Um, And then I think eventually you're going to see him come back here and be Cal's successor one day, as long as he doesn't get poked by an NBA head coaching gig, which I doubt at this point, or another big-name college. I remember he was attached to Louisville before they hired Chris Mack. So I think that as bad of a loss as Kenny Payne is, uh, it will be fine. I think Kentucky fans can breathe. They're still going to go recruit the best players. Cal's at the top. Uh, Bruiser Flint knows the program. He'll be fine. But if they could add Jay Lucas, then you're talking about your recruiting Maybe does it jump a little bit? Because, I mean, as great as Kenny Payne was, you just mentioned it, when's the last time Kentucky got one of those big big forwards or centers uh, over a Duke or over uh, North Carolina or even Tennessee now? So um, there's a lot, I guess, speculate with this staff. But the fans that are panicking and saying, you know, the program is not going to be the same, blah, 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 just stop. Man, there is so
0: much to unpack and digest with this whole situation. (laughs) So I'm just going to try to like kind of fire drill it through. So my uh, piece on Kenny Payne is that I think people that don't take the time, I guess, to kind of learn, just see him as more of like a behind the scenes motivator, pusher, but he's very articulate. He's an X's and O's guy. Like he really is a good basketball coach. So it was just a matter of time for him to do something. And props to him too for being selective and waiting for you know a situation that he feels comfortable with because I mean hell man being a head coach at any level is stressful and you have zero job security and stuff like that so happy for him he was always square with me and stuff like that so good for Kenny Payne. Um, Dwayne Peavy I think you know leaving is gonna you know really suck for Cal on the back end because I think you know a lot of that bureaucracy and administrational stuff to have someone on your side I think that that goes a long way and helps him push his agenda a little bit more. So it'll be kind of intriguing to see how that plays out. And I'm sure that Cal was sad to, leave, to lose him. Um, when I started hearing, uh, you know, Bruiser Flint coming on staff, just kind of out of nowhere, everything that I was hearing, talking to people was just kind of like, it was just blah, kind of like bland. Right. Him kind of taking care of his guy. Cal taking care of his buddy. It exactly. Wasn't, you know wasn't a terrible hire, but by no means, you know, this big home run thing. And then Jay Lucas, on the other hand, when that started happening, total opposite. I mean, every person I know that does recruiting is like, this is the guy right now. I mean, one of the top guys. Think about the people he's got to go to weak-ass Texas. Greg Brown, who I've heard, (laughs) he basically just single-handedly, like, you know, groomed, ultimately ended up getting committed. Mo Bamba, there's tons of examples. um, And the pipeline of Texas talent is just insane, basketball family, all that stuff. And then from there, it was pretty much like the second I heard his name, it was obvious that he was coming in to be a rec- – he's, he's going to fill this recruiting void, and I really do think potentially it could improve. But now it just all came down – after all that, Aaron, it all basically then just came down to structurally, like how is this even going to work? And that's still basically where we stand. And I think it's very possible at some point um, – I don't, you know, speculate on a time frame, but, you know, that John Robick would take a different capacity – kind of allow some movement on the bench because ultimately the goal here is Jay Lucas has to be in a recruiting role. And I'm sure everyone saw today how Kentucky posted that yeah. recruiting administration role or whatever it is, obviously his job. But again, just kind of um, the hierarchy of how the new coaching staff is going to work is kind of yet to be seen. But ultimately if I can speak my piece on that is that Jay Lucas should be a like mega home run higher. And you might see Kentucky now start transitioning and landing the top five guys that you know always have them in their final schools yeah exactly and i
1: mean i mean I don't – excuse me, yeah. You just look at his track record at Texas. You mentioned it. Shaka Smart, who got that job because his – what was it, VCU? He took them to the Final Four to nowhere. He's done nothing for that program. They haven't been winning, yet that guy has had some sort of rhetoric or some way to get those guys to Austin. Obviously, Lucas played basketball at Texas, so uh, you just – it's – it's fun to think about what he could bring to a school like Kentucky, where kids are always, you know, Kentucky has been coming up on the short end of some of these big recruiting battles the last couple of years, but they're always in that final five, right? You see the graphics, you see the whatever. They always seem to be in the final five, final three, whatever. So if you could take that from being in the final three to being number one, uh, and they lost, remember, Greg Brown's number two was Kentucky. So if you have Jay Lucas on your side of the of the court, you would think he'd be here at UK. So, you know, there's a lot to like about that possibility. Um, and, yeah, and I also – you mentioned the bruiser flip point being blind. I agree with that. I think that he's not a recruiter. I think he's kind of just a coach. I think as a coach, I don't know – Uh, All that much about him, obviously, but I'd assume he's very similar to KP in the X's and O's given the fact he's worked with Cal as an assistant and he's been a head coach for a lot of his career. Um, So I think you're not going to miss a beat from the coaching standpoint, but the recruiting and just the players buying in standpoint is what you worry about and why a guy like Lucas would be such a huge boost.
0: What about – Olivier Saar man and, and Joey Gatewood, that was the last thing on my list, like what what gives Aaron? Give me give me your take on this what what gives? The NCA sucks
1: <laughs> uh, no, but uh, it makes it, it, you know for uh, with Joey Gatewood, I understand it a little more because from what I understand, what the people who are just irate are not are failing to say is Kentucky did not file their paperwork for Gatewood until July, so he, he's – while JT Daniels, the kid from USC, got his waiver, like, I don't know, a month or two after he transferred from USC to UGA, they probably got that paperwork in before. So it's not necessarily a matter of, okay, Gatewood uh, committed and signed with Kentucky back in November of last year and in January decided he wanted to play immediately. It's a matter of when that paperwork is in. So I think with Gatewood – that's kind of why it's taking so long. I think he'll get the waiver because Auburn has said they will support it. The only waiver, if I'm not mistaken, that I've seen rejected, at least big one, was Cade Mays, the offensive lineman, who went from Georgia to Tennessee. And what I saw today is the reason it didn't get supported is because Georgia didn't support it. And so normally what it takes is at least this year during this crazy pandemic where waivers are seemingly just going for free is as long as both schools support it, you're going to get it. And that didn't happen on K's maid's end. So I think the fact that uh, Georgia is helping, excuse me, uh, Auburn is helping uh, Gatewood. Uh, I think he'll be eligible. Uh, as for Olivia Saar, that's a, co- I have no idea. Is it, I hate Kentucky. <laughs> I mean, We obviously have seen last-minute decisions with Kentucky last year with football. Obviously, Xavier Peters didn't hear back till like halfway through the third week of the season. Um, Ended up not being as important as everyone thought it would be, but besides the point. So I don't know if it's a Kentucky thing. That's like the conspiracy theory, but it makes little to no sense. I mean, he's obviously probably the biggest name. Uh, of any college basketball player waiting for a waiver. So maybe the, in the NCAA's mind, it has to be the perfect decision, but it should be a pretty simple one. I mean, Wake Forest did, even with the whole, you know, Steve Forbes comments and all where that went, and Danny Manning not being at Wake anymore, they did, you know, pledge their support. They are trying to help Star, uh get that waiver. So that should help. Obviously, Kentucky's going to try to get it for him, And then, you know, you look at the circumstances. Uh, I mean, he – Came back because he wanted to play for Danny Manning. Danny Manning said, we have something cooking here. You know, they had a big win over Duke last year that Saru had a big role in. Uh, The momentum for that program seemed to be going up. And Danny Manning convinced him to stay. And at that point, at that original time, I know it got pushed back at a later date, but at that point... That took his chances of uh, declaring for the NBA draft away. So he pretty much committed to playing his senior year at Wake Forest and skipping out on the draft because he wanted to play for Danny Manning. Then Danny Manning gets fired out of nowhere. Steve Forbes gets hired. Uh, Olivia doesn't want to play at Wake anymore because he didn't want to be there to begin with. He was doing it for his coach. His coach is gone. He lost his chance to uh declare for the draft, which later came back, but it was too late. And you know he picks Kentucky, the blue blood program because if you're gonna you know if you're gonna stay in college, why go to a, why not go to a blue blood so I, I think they'll get the waiver, but it's definitely taking way too long. Uh, I will say this if he doesn't get it for whatever reason. Uh, I, I fully expect him to go play overseas. I don't think he's sticking around because he is a guy who's probably pro ready. And that's what's so exciting about having him on this roster. Oh, I a hundred percent believe if he doesn't get his waiver, he's gone. I've even been sitting here thinking
0: a lot about like, isn't he really risking a lot with the mm-hmm. fact that we don't even know if we're going to play college basketball. He doesn't know if he's going to be eligible. Um, there's a late entry, in- you know, there's a late entry for the draft. So I don't know. But at the same time, you know, being at Kentucky, you know, you're prepping for all that all the time. So – but I said at the very beginning, I've said this a bunch of times on the podcast, that I thought literally – I'm saying this literally that Kentucky would be practicing full practices in October before they even knew if SAR was going to be able to play. Then, you know, early this summer, it seemed like that was absurd because these waivers were just getting dished out, you know, right away. Like, application, done. And for whatever reason, Kentucky not – it's not being done and it's taking forever and we're almost in September. So I'm sure he's got to be nervous, but <laughs> all the facts and evidence point to, you know, the waiver getting granted, but it's just stupid and NCA's dumb, but what's new. That's never going to change, but it was great being back on there. And that's all the stuff is. I had to talk about today. Um, it's always good getting to catch up with you. I'm going to try my best now that I reminded myself, those are going on and start jumping on some of the, the social, uh, I won't call it social media, but the digital media presence
1: and the press conferences and the way they're doing things. Yeah, definitely. Excuse me. Definitely do. We'd be happy to have you there. Uh, tomorrow we'll have stoops. And like I said, it'll be interesting to see his tone and see if he's kind of back to normal. Hope he is. And then tomorrow, I believe Drake Jackson and Max Duffy as well. Good stuff, man. All right. Well, appreciate
0: everybody listening to the Cat by 90 podcast. Please follow us at Cat by 90 on Twitter. And um, check out the Kentucky Dad Pod, too, at Kentucky Dad Pod, and we will catch everybody next time.